Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mutter. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. So we kick-started 70s month last week yeah. with an epic tune, with an epic cowbell part. Yeah. And if that is cowbell's greatest mention in rock and roll music, or it's peak, if you will, then this number two has to be just the pinnacle of this. That's right. Uh, Without the aid of Saturday Night Live, this is the number one cowbell song in history. That's great. And we have the guy who played such cowbell on the end (laughs) of this. But Rob, tell him why I'm using words uh, such punnery as peak and pinnacle because the band we are talking about is Mountain. Mountain. This is Mississippi Queen. And there it is. Yeah. Come on, that's chunky. I'm going to turn this up in my headphones. Dang it. Dang it. Yeah, Dang all of it. Dang all of it straight to heck. And let there be space. That's a freaking <laughs> just monster oh, yeah. of a song. Uh, just so big. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That was 1970. Oh, man. Like, that's bigger than 1970 should have been. That's bigger than a mountain. That's that's right. Mountain is the perfect name for that sound. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like... Big and broad and earthy and and like it's just I, yeah. that's perfect, absolutely yeah. perfect. That is Mississippi Queen by Mountain from the 1970 album Climbing. We are going to be talking to Corky Lang, founding member of Mountain. He's the drummer that you're hearing. He's the guy who came up with the idea for the song. We'll talk to him a little about the origin of the song and the and the dancer thereof who inspired it. Um, but that is from the 1970 album Climbing. Exclamation point. There we go. Uh, written by Corky Lang, Leslie West, Felix Papillardi, and David Ray. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that here in just a minute. It went to number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100, and that's it. Like, that's really, the only chart. This is a U.S. hit, okay. uh, but a U.S. classic. Smash. Yes. Um, the album itself went to number 17 in the U.S. and number 19 in Canada, reaching gold status here in the States. So almost that, that, that song had to have charted in Canada. Maybe it just didn't show up in my research. It, it, it has to have. Um, let's see. There's not much on this earth that rocks any harder than the intro to this song. That's good. Right? Uh, and, and that's another mountain rocks, right? This is like a, this is a, like, th- I don't think of a, when I think of mountain and I think of this song, I think of like 
the Rocky Mountains. I think of a hard, jagged, uncomfortable mountain. Yeah, not one of these like we have around here with trees and <laughs> plants. And there's no trails. No, I, this is up where like animals can't survive. That's right. This is like freaking good luck making it up I this know. dang mountain. You know, everyone has a beard. Everybody, everyone. yeah, and it's and it's full of like frost you know and creatures there's like crickets in the beard yeah there's tendons and just all kinds of you're just having to eat whatever you can catch up on this mountain because it's so hard and craggy okay first of all they've never had a salad never no as as uh ernest p worrell would say men who have never tasted quiche you know (laughs) Uh, not a terrible ernest pretty good yeah r.i.p jim varney that's right um so, yeah, like you said, this is not a cowbell-themed month that we're going on. It just so happened that, <laughs> That's right. back doggone back if the, the cowbell isn't featured on this track, just about as much as, as on last week's episode on We're going to bring Mark Farner Band uh, back and talk right. about we're Grand American Fun- Band. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it, but at the beginning of the song, you do you get twenty four straight beats of just cowbell as far as the drum part, right? And then you get this heavy riff, ball, 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 and then followed by these monster flams and this and then this wailing guitar lead. But let's hear one more time just the drums at the beginning of this because this this drum intro or this intro in general, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this rocks as much as just about anything. I've said before on the show that like Helter Skelter to me still stands up as one of the heaviest riffs of all time, and I would say this is right up there in that same kind of way this is 1970 yeah. and in 2022 this still hits all the way hard right yeah. this peaks every meter um so but listen to these flams these flams are heroic like and a flam for the non-drummers is when you hit both sticks at the same time on on a drum or or it could be two different drums but you hit both sticks at the same time but just barely apart from each other so instead of being like which is me snapping two fingers at the same time. A flam is going to be like, right? Just that was really good. Just barely. I try. That's together. Oh no! First one was really together. That's together, and then flam is right, like that kind of thing. Just a little bit of space, right? Um, and these flams are perfect, absolutely perfect. And then it, and a little a little kick in between, crack and crack. Right? It's one of those. Um, the same kind of feels you hear from like Tony Thompson in the disco era. Yep. You hear from Dave Grohl on like you know, smells like Teen Spirit. Right? It's all it's that right. This is one of the most perfect ever of those kind of feels. Check it out one more time. Here they come. <laughs> Just. Every time that gets me so hot, dude, it's like you forget. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I've lived a little bit of life since the last time I heard this intro. And then it, it I mean, it gets my, it gets my neck moving in a weird way. This song, it's like a, I don't headbang, you know what I mean? But this gets my, it just gets in my neck. I don't know how to explain it. Um, and I love that the first chord that you hear is actually the five. So we're in or an F, so it's a C. Yeah. So the the first five, it's a five, and then when when you go into the the verse, you go now. That's your one chord. Man, the seven queen. So, uh, but the first chord is actually a five, and the solo is playing a major three in the way that is perfectly seventies. We're getting this right, which is the major. There's some tension for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love that. The song is clearly in a minor mode, but that big major third to open up the song is really indicative of this era, I feel like. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, this is cool. The Beastie Boys sampled the intro on their classic album, Paul's Boutique. Have you heard this? Uh-uh. Okay, so there's a song on Paul's, uh, Paul's Boutique called uh, Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. Let's check out where it's sampled. It comes, uh, the actual sample on the Beastie Boys song comes about a minute in. I think it's around okay. a minute and four seconds. I'll, uh, I think I can kind of cue it up here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's about 151. So first, here's a little bit of the Beastie Boys song itself. You'll also hear a cool sample of Pink Floyd's Time. The bell on time, which gives this kind of a really dark uh, thing. Listen for that first. You're here, here, I think. Right? Guitars sound good. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to 151, and uh, you're going to hear Corky Lang here. Right, oh, you yeah. get the flams, and you and get, get a little bit. Note. Yeah, that's good. So that's that's, that's a cool. pretty sick sample. I like that. Uh, let's see. Lead singer Leslie West told Songfacts.com. I, I thought this was funny. When I play Mississippi Queen now, I think about Jesus Christ. All right, <laughs> let's right. unpack that a little bit because that's <laughs> probably unexpected, uh, yeah. especially if you know what the song is about. So let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, Leslie West uh, was diabetic, and in 2011. He had played the night before in Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, at the, I think it was a hard rock uh, hotel and casino kind of thing. And his right leg started swelling to the point where he had to go to the emergency room. They actually amputated his leg below the knee or he was going to die. So like in Mississippi, the night after playing, he got his life saved by, by you know, having this amputation uh, that kept him from dying. And so now he said, when I, when I sing Mississippi Queen, I think about Jesus because, <laughs> because my life got saved in Mississippi. Yeah. And uh, so I, but I just thought that was a funny way to, to start that story. Yeah. The thing I read, that quote actually came at the end of it. But I thought this is a f- That should be the headline. Yeah, that's the headline there because what? <laughs> um, well, Rob mentioned Leslie. Let's talk about Leslie and the rest of the band. You absolutely. Meet let's meet him. Hey, let's meet the man. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band of Mountain that played on Mississippi Queen on guitar. Uh, Rob mentioned Leslie West. He started Mountain with uh, Felix Popolardi, which ironically was the name of his first solo project. His first solo project was called was Mountain. Mountain. Yep. Um, considered one of the pioneers of heavy metal. He was in the 1986 movie The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Was Long. he now? Absolutely. He recorded and played with Joe Bonamassa in the early 2000s before Joe went and got huge like everywhere. Yeah. So he played, Leslie played with him. He was the original band leader for the Howard Stern Show, but his five episodes as the band leader were never released. So. Huh. Really? They never released those with him as the leader. Interesting. Um, he died in 2020 of complications from heroin and diabetes. But uh, gear, he had two Les Paul Juniors that he alternated between. Okay. And a Gibson Flying V with the neck pickup removed, and he used that hole for an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> which is 70s rock at its peak wow. at its mountain. 
Um, he also had a signature series Dean and played a Kramer later in his life. Um, amps he used, he was sponsored by Carlsboro amps, which I guess were pretty big as the Beatles, Mick Jagger, and Oasis are noted as using them. I wasn't super familiar. I must ashamedly admit I wasn't super big on Carlsboro amps, but they're apparently pretty big. Okay. That's what a lot of rock stars use. Um, on bass guitar, uh, Felix, who we talked about, Papa Lardy, he wrote, arranged, and helped co-produce all kinds of stuff for Cream, uh, the album Disraeli Gears. He yeah. wrote Strange Brew, which is track one on the album, which features Clapton on lead vocals, and that was the first time Clapton led a song, as Jack Bruce normally led mm. uh, led most of them. He played most notably at Gibson EB1 Violin Bass, which looks like a double bass with a false painted F-hole on there. Oh, really? They're painted? They're painted. They're oh, not I didn't real. know that. Yeah, they, so it looks like an F-hole, but it's just painted on Okay. Uh, through Sun Amplifiers, which he hmm. stated was originally a, a Jimi Hendrix amp that he played okay. through Hendrix's amps. Um, he had to retire due to deafness from his loud shows playing with Mountain. His wife, Gail Collins, with whom he wrote Strange Brew, actually shot and killed him with a Derringer he gave her as a present no. month prior. So let that be a lesson to you husbands. Buy your wife a blanket or an apron or something less, <laughs> a blanket. Ag- something less aggressive. <laughs> Don't go buying her a Derringer. Um, so yeah, anyway. On organ, wow. Steve Knight uh, played traditional jazz for 25 years following the original ceasing of Mountain in 1972, and he died, uh, suffered from Parkinson's in 2013. And then Corky on drums, who is the surviving member of Mountain. Yeah. He's the lone surviving member. And you guys are going to really like him. He's super fun. Right. And that would be Lawrence Gordon Gorky Corky Lang. There we go. He got the name Corky because growing up, his brothers called him Gorky as they were trying to pronounce his middle name Gordon. Yeah. And uh, and so it morphed from Gorky into Corky eventually. And we talk with him about that in the interview. So you guys hang around and enjoy hearing him talk about it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. First of all, this song is short. Yeah, two minutes and something. Two minutes, 31 seconds and out. Leaves you wanting more. Yeah. Like, you never go, all right, I'm done with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, let's rewind it. Let me hear that bit one more time. Uh, Corky has said he kind of modeled the feel uh, a little bit after Cripple Creek by the band. Okay. Uh, You familiar with Cripple Creek? I don't know. Cripple Creek. Okay. I'll play it for you. Um, Maybe. I'll play it for you because you can definitely hear the, like, the, you know the feel itself but it's such a heavier oh, feel yeah. for mountain but it's the groove yeah you know similar tempo yeah oh mountain <laughs> there you go yeah but obviously this feels like the band it's yeah. you know mississippi oh hey, hold what, on what's happening hold on. So Corky actually took it to uh, to leave on Helm and was like, "Are you okay with this?" You know what I mean. Which credit to him, yeah, nice right? Job. Credit to Corky for just being like, "I don't like." Obviously, I didn't. I don't think I ripped this off, but I want you to hear it. That's good. And get your take. That's a right? smart way to do that. Just do that, folks. Yeah. How much? How Ask much? Ask for permission. Legal and financial stuff. Can you save yourself if you're just like you know whatever? Be courteous. Um. But um. You know, so if you because I think if you sort of wanted to call this the Hard Rock Cripple Creek, you probably could. I think so, but it's not. But it's not similar in any way, other than just the just way the it feels. Yeah. So anyway, Corky talked to Levon about it, and Levon was like, Psh, "Don't sweat it. You know what I mean? Don't try to pay me. Like That's whatever." Cool. Which uh, credit to Levon? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Don't don't be greedy. Be generous. I think it'll all work out in the end. Um, so yeah, that's that's very cool. You also mentioned cream, um, and and I think it is safe to say, in the way that we said, like, uh, heart is the American Led Zeppelin, right? You could say that Mountain is sort of the American uh, evolution of cream, 
Right. Three piece, similar sound. Similar sound. And like they, they sort of took that Disraeli Gears era mm. cream and yeah. really leaned yeah. into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think very. And Leslie's a good guitar player. Yeah. I mean, he's got good chops. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. If you miss our interview with Warren Haynes back in season nine, uh, we mentioned something that you'll hear in our chat today with Corky that Warren kind of chided Corky for messing around too much with Mississippi Queen and kind of losing the heart of it. Um, And so you'll hear that come up. We interviewed them both on the same day. We did, back to back. Back to back. And it was like, that is crazy timing. Yeah, really crazy. Uh, So you'll hear that come up in today's interview. And if you go back then and listen to Warren's episode, you can hear Warren's take on it when we asked him about it. Uh, which is very cool. So Dolly wrote uh, Jolene and I will always love you on the same day, right? We interviewed <laughs> yeah, Corky we interviewed and Corky. Warren on the same day. That's so there right. you go. Absolutely. This is our Jolene. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have one more little tidbit. There's honestly, there's not a ton of research to like be found on this song unless I just sort of missed the well of information. So I kind of have one thing and then a cover. Uh, okay. But but I figure I don't want to steal your thunder, and I'm afraid I might with my other thing that I have. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and do Stump the Genius? Let's do and it. And then I'll come back with my last I don't thing. think you'll you'll steal it. I'm okay. going someplace. Okay, here we go. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right. We're going to play Stump the Genius Mississippi Trivia. Okay. Okay. All right. 80%. I'm going 80. All righty. Here we go. 80%. You got the bell. I don't know. We got the bell. It's up yeah, there. Do, you can reach it. Okay. Uh, go Stretch. That was impressive. All right. All right. Rob just reached I don't like nine, to stand, as we've established. Ten feet. <laughs> that was awesome. That was great. Okay. Which of these root beers was invented in Biloxi, Mississippi in okay. the 1800s? Bargs, IBC, A&W, or Mug? Which root beer feels the most Biloxi? Let's see. Barks, IBC, A&W, or Mug? Uh... I want it to be Barks. It is Barks. Oh, there we go. One yes. for one. All right. Which Chicago Bear was born in Columbia, Mississippi? Mike Ditka, Dick Butkus, Walter Payton, Jay Cutler. Ooh, I think it's Cutler. It's Walter Payton. Dang it. Uh, that was my guess until you said Cutler. Cutler was born in Indiana. Born in Indiana. 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 Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Which cleaning supply created by Jackson <laughs> Miss Native Harry Cole okay. um, was from uh, Mississippi? Mr. Clean. Okay. Pine Saul. Or Lysol disinfectant. Mississippi. They have pine trees in Mississippi? Uh, I think I'm going to go pine salt. Pine salt! Yeah. Smells like lemon. Come on. There we go. All right. Doing Two for well. three. Two for three. The only pitcher to ever, the only player to ever pinch hit for Babe Ruth oh. is from Mississippi. Wow. His name, Sam Vick. Okay. Vic Sams. <laughs> Sam and Vickery. Oh, no. Where's Joey Abbott? Vickery Sampson. <laughs> My tribute to Twig Ziggler. Okay. okay. Sam Vick. Okay. Vic Sams. Uh-huh. Samson Vickery. Okay. Vickery Sampson. <laughs> Joey, I hope you're... I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go with Samson Vickery. Sam Vick. Oh, man. Okay. okay, you got to get this one. Here we Dang go. Dang it. Okay, the largest of these in the world is on display at Old Spanish Fort Museum, which is in Mississippi. Okay. The largest one of these. Okay. Crab, oyster, shrimp. 
Oh, I, I'm going to say shrimp. 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 Good yeah, job. Yeah, right. Right. Real done. The largest shrimp in the world? On display. Is it alive? I don't know. <laughs> it's on display. I wouldn't think so. At right. Old Spanish Fort Museum. Sam Vick, okay. Pine Sol, Walter Payton, and Barg. Sam Vick. That's some good trivia right there. Only person to the ever Only person to ever hit. pinch hit for Babe Ruth. I wow. love that fact. Okay. All right, so I did okay. I did 60%. 60%. Okay, all right. All right. I'm game. trying to keep the average yeah, up. It's all right. Everybody slumps. It's, all right. it's fine. Everybody, Everybody has to be pinch hit for. That's right. Sorry, Ruth. <laughs> Even We're the going to Sam Vick. Even We're going to George the- Herman. I wonder what Sam Vick's career numbers are. I don't are. know. I should have looked up more about him. I just thought that was a neat, neat fact. <laughs> we'll do a special mini so uh, We'll put it on Patreon. Uh, okay. Uh, so obviously, this song is Mississippi Queen. It has a state in the title. And so I was thinking about songs and and states you know what i mean okay. so i looked up an article from the guardian called 50 songs for 50 states okay all right i'm not going to go through all 50 um but just i'm going to see first of all if you have any we'll go through a few states and just see if anything sure. triggers to mind well i'd start with tennessee which one would be tennessee okay. i'd probably say tennessee waltz is that the one okay. for tennessee it's not it's actually okay so think one level further uh it doesn't have it doesn't have the name. Doesn't have the word oh, Tennessee in the title. Man. So not okay. all these like have actual oh, like the Rocky state. Top. Oh, actually, that would be a great one. Uh, it's actually Graceland by Paul okay. Simon. All right. And this is just a a, a writer for the Guardian who chose like Memphis. If, yeah. Like if I'm driving through this state, sure, this, this is, is the song I want to hear. Okay. So man, this is hard. So I'm, that's Graceland by Paul Simon. So let's start. Let's start with an easy one though. How about Alabama? Okay. Well, any song by Alabama or Sweet Home Alabama. There you go, probably. Sweet Home Alabama. Hey, look at, yeah, all right. There you okay. go. Yeah, uh, Let's see. Good luck on Alaska. That would be uh, the Alaska song by Lacey J. Dalton. Okay. Um, how about Arizona? Now, I'll say this as a hint. Some of these do have the state name in the title. Some of them are just named after the state. Called Arizona. It's called Arizona by uh, Kings of Leon. Oh, all, right, all right. There we go. Okay, good job. Uh, let's see. Okay, so speaking of Queens, uh, the Arkansas song on this list has the word queen in the title. Can you think of it? Arkansas Queen. That's right. It has both of those words in the title. I the, don't know this song. The Queen from Arkansas. It is Mary Queen of Arkansas by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Man, uh, I don't know that song. How about California? It's a pretty easy one. Well, don't overthink it. Californication? Red Hot Chili Peppers? Older. Um, also a song by Katy Perry. California Girls? There you go. That'd be the Beach Boys. Uh, let's see. All right, let's go through a few here. This, Colorado Girl by Towns Van Zant. Really? That's the Colorado song? Yeah. Come on. Versus like Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain High? Rocky Mountain High. Freaking Colorado? Yeah. Come on. I thought that was the one I was going to take a guess on. Yeah. John Denver. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, I Live in Connecticut by Aerosmith. I don't know I that song. I don't know. It's probably older. Uh, Delaware by Perry Como. Florida by Vic Chestnut. Uh, Georgia. We've done this song. Oh, man. Uh, That's why she's leaving. There you go. Midnight, Midnight train, train to, to Georgia. Georgia. Originally night. titled, do you remember? Oh. Midnight plane to, to Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was Houston. Midnight plane, plane to That's Houston. Right. Yeah, uh, Blue Hawaii, um, Idaho by Josh Ritter. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Name a state. <laughs> Name a state. Iowa got the dry cleaner from Des Moines by Joni Mitchell. Maine. Uh, how about okay, Maine? All right, we're coming up on Maine. That would be going to Maine by Mountain Goats. I don't like this guy's list. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's a woman. I, I see, don't I, like this girl's I don't, list. I don't like this young lady's list. Uh, let's see. This list was compiled by. Hold on, Laura Barton. Okay. Laura Barton, definitely female. All right, not, um, not Kentucky like Blue Moon of Kentucky. Keep on shining. 
Kentucky. Kentucky got Man of Constant Sorrow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kansas got Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. That's, That's solid. All right. That's yeah. good one there. Uh, Louisiana, or if I said Louisiana, what you got? Something about the bayou. Way down created- in Louisiana, down in New Orleans. River Green. Johnny Be Good. Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other good ones? Martha and, Martha and the Vandellas for Dancing in the Street from Michigan. I feel like there's probably a better Detroit than Dancing in the Detroit? Street. Detroit! That's one of those deals Come where on, like, we're just going to name every city and include Detroit, you know? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the heart of rock and roll is still beaten. Come on. Uh, yeah. Or, or um, you know, freaking... Freaking any, like a rock. Anything by Bob Seger. Come yes. on, like a rock. Yeah. Dude, I saw the funniest video on uh, Instagram the other day. It was literally a, a Chevy truck in a tornado, okay? And it's being like blown over on its side, spinning around and around and around, and then it gets set back up on its wheels and just drives off, That's right? Awesome. It's just being myrtleized by this by this uh, by this tornado. And so somebody took it and played like a rock over the top of it <laughs> and like this is the best free advertising that exactly. has ever existed exactly. like and just it's just so heroic looking when it drives off. I mean, just <laughs> hysterical. Uh, Minnesota, I would have expected something by Prince. Uh, I would feel like in that truck, Mississippi Queen is playing. Right, yeah. And that guy's like, ah. <laughs> That's right, dude. If you need to beat up a tornado, That's right. you throw you on throw Mississippi, Mississippi Queen. Queen. Yeah. Mississippi Queen was not on this list, but you can't argue with what they went with. It, they went with Crossroad Blues by Robert Johnson, okay, which nice. is okay. That's yeah. a seminal, like, all right, fine. Uh, let's see. Frank Zappa, Montana. Springsteen again, Nebraska. Okay, I'll give you that. that. that What? How many songs could possibly be about about Nebraska? Uh, Viva Las Vegas for Nevada. Um, Jersey Girl by Tom Waits. Let's see, New Mexico by Johnny Cash. Walk on the Wild Side for New York. Of all, there's tons of New York songs. So much New York. Sinatra on that, right? You almost got to go. Yeah, right. Or if you're going to go modern, you go Alicia Keys. Um, but I guess you're trying to go maybe state of New York, but even uh, that, that song, uh, that Lou Reed song is about New York city, Carolina in my mind, uh, North Dakota, Lyle Lovett, uh, Ohio, modest mouse, Oklahoma Hills, Woody Guthrie. Uh, let's see what else we got. I don't know. None of these other states, Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island got Rhode Island is famous for you by blossom Deary from 1960. I have no idea what that is. Texas. He, uh, heading for the Texas border by Flamin' Groovies. I don't know it. I would have thought there should have been many other songs, probably. Uh, this person is obviously cooler than us. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, whatever. But you're not listening to her podcast. You're listening to ours, and we would be the Great Song Podcast right here on your radio dial. I do want to cover uh, at least one cover of this song. You okay. might have more, but probably the most noteworthy cover would be uh, let's see, M I S S I S S I M I crooked letter, crooked letter I. There you go. Did you do that? Humpback, humpback I. I did. I definitely did that when I was when I was little. Uh, this is the Ozzy Osbourne version. Big old fat cowbell. Woo! <laughs> I assume that's Zach Wild. Little extra riffage, no space there. Yeah. It's definitely Aussie. Yeah. It's a little too major for my taste. 
It's a little too major for my taste, and it moves a little more. It kind of moves like it has a cast on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? His vocal. Uh-huh. Mississippi Queen. If like I don't know, it's it very on beat and yeah. you know part Filters of the galore. Yeah, part of the uh, you know part of the, what I like about it is that this is the it's the like the rawness. Yeah, it's it's more syncopated. It, everything's off beat. Uh, da, da, uh, Mississippi Queen. All the accents are off beat. You know what I mean? Versus Mississippi Queen. It, nah, all right, I'll pass. The guitars sound dope though. Yeah, like it's that's, they're thick. Fantastic. And we are too. We'll see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we are going to kick it to our interview with Lawrence Gordon Gorky Corky Lang. And um, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. But first, stop what you're doing. I don't care if you're overtuning Ozzy Osbourne's vocals right now. Uh, stop what you're doing. You're getting paid by the hour. It's fine. Uh, You'll be fine. Stop what you're doing and use that finger. Take that finger off the fader and put it on your phone. And go to Instagram, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, and follow us at Great Song Pod. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. And if you want to go the extra mile and be a Patreon producer, help us make this thing, help us make more of this thing, uh, then you can go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod, and you can support the show there. And your support at any level unlocks all the benefits that we are allowed to give you legally. It's like those things of fireworks where they say (laughs) maximum amount of firepower in this possible. We will give you the maximum legal amount of our gratitude. We've tinted the glass as much as street legal. Exactly. The most that we can do... uh, uh, to say thank you, we will absolutely do if you decide to support us at Great Song Pod uh, slash Patreon slash whatever. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, Patreon.com slash Great Song Pod. All right, we're going to take it to Corky Lang and we'll be back to tuck you in on the other side. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Corky Lang of Mountain and other endeavors that we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, Corky, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here. And yes, it's my pleasure, like Keith says, to be anywhere. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. Great. Glad to be here. Well, let's start. Obviously, we're, we're focusing on uh, Mississippi Queen today. Um, but uh, I, I want to ask you str- uh, just right off the bat about that iconic uh, intro fill. It's simple but powerful. Just a couple of flams. Crack and crack. Did you did you workshop any other fills for that intro, or did or is it just this is this is what I'm going to do? Um, you know, or or were there other versions of that intro for Mississippi Queen for you? Well, to answer your question, there was never any other idea of starting the song that way. In terms of playing that style, instead of playing a lot of busy uh, 30-second notes, etc., I decided, and Felix had a favorite drummer of his, that just played it real black'em, black'em. They're a flan. They're black'em. And they talk a lot. When you go black em, black em, you're ready to tell a story. <laughs> so that's why we put that in. And I use it a great deal. And I'm, I'm pleased that you actually found, you pointed that out. Because it is one of my favorite fills. Here I am. 
Blackum, blackum. Yeah, it's a great way to enter the room. You know, it's <laughs> it's really powerful. That's right. That's right. And we, we've even talked uh, recently about uh, guys like uh, Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters, Nirvana, um, talking about his his sort of co-opting of that sound. And he would talk about you know classic drummers like yourself, and even guys like Tony Thompson who would use those those types of fills to say a lot instead of using a lot of notes to say something, do something simple but powerful, um, and yeah. how it really helps the helps the music move along. So, um, well, when I was playing, just quickly, I was playing with a trio, well, actually a chord. With Mountain, keeping in mind, you're, you're sitting between, in those days, you're sitting between two to four stacks of either sun or martial amps. <laughs> and it wasn't any sophisticated, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, monitoring of the drums. It was just play as loud as you can <laughs> and hit it as hard as you can. And it was just a basic, it was a formality of just cutting through the sound, you know, in those days. I mean, now, of course, you know, you can plug up all kinds of triggers for the drums. But back then, there was no tricks. And I had I had timbales, which were like neutron bombs for tom-tom, <laughs> yeah. you know? You know, I don't know if you've ever heard. I mean, I have, yeah. they cut. Yeah. It's about cutting through. It's about, you know, cutting through. So that was a, a style that developed. You know what I mean? It developed yeah. over the years of playing that. Let's talk about the cowbell for a second while we're on that intro. Legend has it uh, that the cowbell uh, on that intro got inserted as kind of a result of some frustration of yours in the studio. Is that true? Can you confirm that for us and share that? Cowbell? Well, no, I, I wouldn't. Frustration? Eh, it's a little bit of a big word. <laughs> uh, the cowbell, again, impact, cutting through. Uh, you know, in the old days in the jazz, one, two, one, two, three, you do that? Yeah. Well, there's no... You, you, you wouldn't hear that with all the amps and everything like that. So the only way to count it in would be cow, 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 cow. You can't go wrong with that. So that's basically another function, you know, that was a that was a functionary thing to do. And Felix and Leslie loved it because there was no question of where the one is. If you knew how to count to four, <laughs> the one came right after that. One, two, three, four, any. In. So it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's accessible. Go ahead. So uh, your right. name is Lawrence Gordon Corky Lang. Tell our listeners how you went from Gordon to Gorky to Corky. How did we land there? Well, quickly, if you don't mind, I have a book out which explains it all. And I don't want to sound like a promo. No, slot. please. Do it. We'll, we'll, pu- we'll, we'll push it for you. Yeah. <laughs> the book is called Letters to Sarah. It's a book that my partner and I, Tuya Tikala, uh, put together instead of a Wikipedia. It's a story of a musician, a kid growing up in Montreal with triplet uh, brothers, a sister, a big family. And over the years being on the road, even locally in some of the, you know, no-tell motels, etc., we would, I would write to my mother because I was lonely. You know, a lot of people don't understand that Well, I don't know if they understand or even care. But, you know, after going from an audience, let's say from the the Carnegie Hall to a hotel on on Broadway, it's as quiet as can be in the hotel. So I used to write. I used to write a lot, but I would write to my mom just to stay in the loop in the family because it was a huge family. And my partner, Tuja, well, as it turned out, my mother kept 
these these uh, letters over a period of 30 odd years, you know, all the way up until West Bush Lang and after and until she passed away. And I didn't know she I didn't even know she saved the letters. But Tulia, my my girl, found them uh, in some storage room because my mother passed away and left all this stuff. And long story short, she found these letters and she said, instead of doing a Wikipedia, why don't we write? sort of a memoir but using the letters as a time you know as the time capsule so if it's like in, in 1974 or 19 it would be sort of in a um, it would be in a um you know it would be in, in, in a flow like each yeah. each of the letters would reflect where i was uh they were sort of in sequence long story short again um it came together and it took a year or two uh way back, i guess yeah a few years back and it came out as a book and um it got a lot of reaction it was really quite cool because it's not like a book about snorting ants off a kitchen table with ozzy <laughs> osborne it, was, it wasn't that decking well, there's a few moments there but she didn't want to do she's a professor and mm. she's brilliant she said let's do a book you know what i'm saying rob not yeah. just a, like a, like the diary of a heroin addict right. i mean how many you say about putting a needle in your arm well these days you can say a lot <laughs> but what i'm getting at what i'm getting at is that the book reflects a lot of those moments that you are asking about so again you can tell your listeners i think they'll enjoy it if they don't enjoy it i say it also makes for a good drum pad you know if you <laughs> want to put it on that's so it's multi-purpose. You, uh, you touched on a little bit of West Bruce and Lang for our listeners. That's Leslie West and Jack Bruce of Cream. Um, I like Why Don't You a lot. A kind of a underrated power trio. I think you guys are – Jack Bruce is all about the power trio. How did you end up <laughs> syncing up with him and bringing him in with Leslie? How did that well, that's, collab happen? Well, that, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure if that's in the book. However, right. so what else <laughs> Well, Leslie and I were pretty tight when Felix decided to take a bit of a break because uh, he had hearing problems, apparently. Uh, Leslie and I went to England, and uh, again, uh, I was always a big fan. Leslie's a huge fan of Cream. So as it turned out, because of Felix's affiliation with producing Cream, we sort of knew them. We sort of knew Jack. We were going over at Island Records because a couple of the Island Records bands, like uh, Mata Hoople, uh, free. They were breaking up coincidentally at that time. This was 72, 71, 72. And we were going over to sort of hook up with one, a couple of the guys. We did hook up with Paul Rogers and uh, we went to Island Studios to play. And at the time, over in Watts from Mott came in to play. And I think who was the other guitar player in Mott the Hoople? Uh, Ian Hunter? Ian was in. Yeah. In my Ian, Ian wasn't at that session. Okay. But what happened? Uh, uh, Chris, the owner of Violin, really loved Mountain and loved us. It was really cool. It was a very good, uh, it was a very good symbiotic relations with the company and the musicians. We're all first division. Uh, and uh, so he called and he put people together to record at Island Studios, a great little studio. So we were there jamming. We got off and I remember saying, wow, do you want to form an official band? That night, coincidentally, Jack had just got back from playing with Tony Williams 
lifetime. It was a jazz tour that they came in. They were in Germany. They just came back. And Jack, I think we, we may have left a message for Jack just to hang out. He called and he said, hey, man, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. And I said, let's let's go. Let's do it. Let's, he said, I don't believe it. I, I think I think we can make a band with Jack. Jack wants to play in a band. <laughs> and I said, well, that's that's pretty cool. And again, being super fans of, of Jack himself, he said, yeah. So we started recording, or I guess jamming. I hate the word these days, but <laughs> jamming. And we call it, I like to, just making noise is pretty, you know, humble. Instead <laughs> of jamming, jam this, jam it up your ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, go, we were talking, we were talking about playing an island and we did records and it it came out of the shoot really beautifully i mean we had the greatest time and of course like you said how did i get involved in it i mean jack could have any drummer in the world he wanted and i remember asking jack and humbly saying you know jack i really appreciate playing with you but you know are you all right with it you know because i'm not up there with Leslie in terms of uh, in terms of that tier he said well he had spoken to Tony Williams and Tony Williams and I met up in Montreal at the Black Bottom when he was taking a vacation from Miles Davis he had his own band this is I'm, I'm trying to keep track here I hope you're taking <laughs> notes this goes back into the late 60s we had a trio called Energy, and we were playing with Tony Williams, Larry Coriel, a few, some great jazz musicians. The band at, at the time, Energy, was self-contained, and we played sort of, at that time, you'd call it progressive rock. Mm-hmm. We instrumentation. Anyways, and that's when I was sitting there watching Tony Williams play every night for two weeks. And we got to be friends. Little did I know that he liked me, which is pretty good, you know, like, <laughs> he liked he liked me and i guess tony endorsed me at that point tony endorsed me to jack and that's how i get in there and when i fit in there it took a lot of playing and i would do a lot i'm being humble here but i was really lucky well it's you know like i say in the book you in the music business you are who you're playing with you know you're on a level and you've got to keep that level going it's sort of a selfish indulgent way of taking on a career but in any place when you want to move up you've got to pick up and play with the best of the best if you can if you again that's where the luck comes in and i was very lucky and you brought up west bruce and lang which sort of has a bit of a bitter taste it's bittersweet because the band was being promoted way before we were ready they had already booked a sold-out tour in America in March and April, and we hadn't even made a record in February. Hmm. So there we were under this pressure. We had Robert Stigwood, this manager, doing this in England, and we had our manager. And the management came in, and they saw money. And boy, did they start squeezing everything. They squeezing the record companies. It was, And the trouble was, we were just three band musicians. We didn't realize what was going on on the periphery of our brand mm. we didn't even have a brand we didn't even know what to call it at that time so it was kind of bittersweet because we didn't really get a chance i feel to write the proper music i mean why don't you it's not exactly the cultural mecca's song of the of the universe it was pretty i mean the lyric on that is so profound why don't you you know come <laughs> on so but it, it went with the aggressive attitude of the music it did it matched up 
you know, and we had a great time doing it, but we never really got into sitting over a period of time, woodshedding and writing some really proper, substantial music. So we did a lot of, as you say, jamming, making noise. And the, the thing that carried that was the energy. We did have the energy, the three of us at that time to blow it out. And we had a great time. But as a result of what I would consider the rock and roll machine, um, you know, uh, it died over a period of time, like any of the bands. You know, there's always going to be something. And I respect a lot of the bands that have stayed together because they have nurtured their their music on their own. Like I would use uh, the Rush as a perfect example. Rush used to open up for Mountain and West Bruce Lang in a lot of shows. And at the time, I don't think even Neil with Perk was with them. But the point is, here they are, three Canadians who kept track of everything. They really, you know, they chronicalized or chronic in chronicle order they put together a career that was brilliant i always felt that leslie and i stayed together but because felix had been part of this murder with gail that was a very sad time it was like leslie and i felt like little orphaned at the time and we did the best we could on over the time after west moose and lang it 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 fell from grace you know and uh, i'm sorry to say but it happens to every marriage you know goes up goes down and um but i in, in general when it comes to west moose and lang one of the most powerful times of anybody's life you know they really were thinking that we were better than led zeppelin hmm. the only thing we didn't have was that material you know i think that and certainly Leslie could keep up with Jimmy Page in many ways. Certainly kept up weight wise, that's for sure. And <laughs> you know, but uh I mean that with due respect, by the way. So what I'm saying is that it was a bittersweet time, okay, because yeah. There could have been so much more if it wasn't the money grab. Mm. And that's when the Nantucket sleigh ride comes to mind, if you don't mind me rambling. Sure. Now Nantucket it's good. Now, Nantucket Sleigh Ride is a metaphor for what happens with the, when the rock and roll machine takes off and tries to get bigger and bigger, the same way as the whalers went for the big whale, you know, and they're taking their life in their hands because they're out in the ocean and they're shooting harpoons into these mammals, these gigantic, and these mammals take them for a ride. In other words, the mammal representing, if you don't mind me examining on, is... Greed. That's the greed. The, the big thing is not success and joy and passion. It's nothing but fat, well fat. Mm. And when the bell goes under, so do so do the uh, you know the whalers. There's six of them in a boat. So if you take the the metaphor for the the sleigh ride is what the whale takes those whalers on. You you know they they're attached to the they're attached to the harpoons. The harpoons are attached to the boats, and they. They are taken for a ride across the ocean, and they don't know if they're ever coming back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. When you're on the road as a band, promotion, radio, TV, full, you know, you name it, the machine takes you out. And a lot of our brothers and sisters never really made it back. Yeah. So the sadness and the bittersweetness of going for the big one. Wow. That's quite a metaphor. That's that, really that's pretty deep. That's really a striking, <laughs> yeah. striking metaphor when you when you lay it out. Well, like thank that. you. Most of the time, when the drummer brings a song to the band, it sounds like a song brought by the drummer. But in this case, <laughs> tell us about how you brought the lyrics to the the Queen and how the song was formed on on Mississippi Queen. It ended up being probably Mountain's biggest hit. 
Yeah, what that I tell you? Oh, that's a bit of a story. So stay with me. I'm taking. <laughs> We're I hope you're for taking the ride. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be asking questions after this. Um, Mississippi Queen took place when the band Energy was playing in Nantucket Island, which is a small island off off the uh, off of Boston, off the Cape. And we were playing at this beach club. And what happened that particular evening on the hottest day of the summer in Nantucket, the lights, the power on the island went out because everybody started using their new air conditioners. In Nantucket, you didn't need an air conditioner, but because it was so hot, Long story short, here I go again. Uh, my friend Roy Bailey took a girlfriend of his he met in, in Mississippi, and she was coming up to stay with him in Nantucket. And they were on the dance floor, and they're going at it, and we're playing up on Cripple Creek. She sends me, I'm telling because this is the feel for Mississippi Queen. Yeah. I kept the feel. I didn't want her to stop dancing because she was absolutely drop-dead beautiful. <laughs> and she was wearing... She was wearing a see-through knitted dress. And there she was, perspiring. And I'm watching her. And I'm playing. And then the lights go out. And I said, no, don't stop. I want to see. I was watching her. A little sicko on the drums. And I'm watching her. I'm looking at her. I'm like, hey, Mississippi. There's no microphone. So I'm screaming, hey, Mississippi. And she looks at me. Hey, Mississippi. Of course, hey, Mississippi. And she's looking at me. I figured maybe I could pick her up. You know, I wouldn't do it well. And long story short, uh, I thought I would get lucky and pick her up right then. But my friend, he, he picked her up and got lucky back at his place. So that's the way the initials it started off. And all it was was me screaming, screaming out Mississippi Queen. And I got broken up. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And what happened is they kept dancing to my rap. You know, it was a rap at that point you know hey you come from Pittsburgh you know I knew she came from Mississippi and I took the song back to New York we went back in the fall and I took the song I took I wrote the lyrics down because I said wait a second these lyrics worked musically as like uh, they were dancing so I figured okay you were talking about drummers bringing you know songs in and I said to the guys in the band the two guys I said uh you want to help me finish these lyrics? Because I think this could work. And you're looking at me, Cork, we don't have a, we have no record deal. We got nothing. What are you doing? I said, I just have this feeling about this lyric. And, and I'm still picturing her, you know. Uh, um, I think her name was Molly. That's right. Molly oh, wow. Mississippi. Yeah, her name was Molly. And that's in the book, by the way. Uh, and uh so I just kept the lyrics, and then a month later, if I may jump ahead, uh, I get together with Leslie because we're in the studio recording mountain climbing in New York. And Leslie said, "Clark, we need some lyrics. Yeah, we got to come up with some songs." Felix said, "Tony, songs. We need. Come on, come on." So I pulled this lyric out of my back pocket. Seriously, just like I just happened. I said, "What do you think?" And he looked at. He went. Mississippi Queen, and he started playing right away. We standing up. There's no drums or anything. It's just with the guitar. The song wrote itself at that point. That's Leslie awesome. belted it up right there, and then I said, "Geez, good thing I saved this lyrics, you know, because it was there. They were written out. It wasn't like wow. this and that. This was this was pretty committed." And I remember bringing it to the studio. Felix said, "What do you got? What do you got?" And Leslie said, "You're not gonna believe this, Felix. We got this. Kill you. This is gonna be a killer." <laughs> Anyway, so um, we played it. That Felix says, "Well, let's do it again. Let's do it again." We're playing with that every time we redo it, re-record. Actually, the sound, the song, 
the track that we used was the very first track, really? of course. It was but uh, yeah, I gotta say, I got pretty lucky along the way with that song. You know, <laughs> I, I do have a lot of lot of different people. Oh, the bank was a financial pleasure. Yeah, it was good. You basically <laughs> think about that. And you're you're in the business, okay? You well, how long? Twenty minutes, twenty years. You got to think of this. This is over fifty years ago, yeah. right? Song. It still blows me away. Because, you know, when they say, you know, in this business, when I started, it was basically, it wasn't rock, it was pop. It was the sound of cereal when you pour milk in it, pops. It wasn't rock yet. So this was like the first rock song with the bass and everything up front. Because Felix was the bass. He made sure that bottom end was full-blown. Anyways, and Leslie just wailed on it. You know, it's like Otis Redding, call it what you want. He just wailed. And, and uh, yeah. Again, it was a great experience, and as a result of 50 years later, we played. I play the song, as you know. Uh, um, the I am the last man standing on the mountain, which yeah. is a lot of fun. I wish everybody. What I did do, and boy, this coffee is kicking in. I'm actually keeping the mountain repertoire alive. Yeah. Uh, the name of the the name of the brand is. Uh, Corky Lang's mountain, because I don't want to get the impression that this is the real mountain. Anybody who's a fan knows what the real band was all about. This is me playing with two of the really brilliant players to emulate and simulate the original recording of the bands, because for a while they're talking about jamming the last 10 years with Leslie, we butchered those songs to death you know because we just we did we weren't respectful of the audience the audience didn't even recognize some of the songs even though they were hits at the time so the point is warren haynes caught up with me at one point he's a big fan of mountain and uh he was at the beacon theater and she could shut me down anytime i know you no, know this is great funny we, enough we warren, have warren on he's our next interview yeah, he's, at, at 12 o'clock in the next 20 minutes. All right. the next well, send him my best. Send him my best. He, he invited me to see to see the band at the Beacon Theater New Year's Eve 2011. And I went down there the night before, and I'm sitting on Matt Apps. The drummer comes up. Hey, Cork, I don't know if you know this, man, but we sent out like uh, a, to our fan base asking them what song they would want the band to cover. And it came back, coincidentally, Nantucket Sleigh Ride. And I said, well, that's fan. And then Matt says, by the way, and the Sleigh Ride version of Fast, is that a 5-4 bar or a 6-8 bar? I said, it's just a lot of bars. You know, you know? <laughs> I said, it's a lot of, I said, and he said, well, wait a second. This is the night before New Year's Eve. And he says, why don't you come and play the song when we play it New Year's Eve at, at midnight? I said, well, uh, Matt, I haven't been invited. I, he thinks, oh, okay, we went upstairs to, and he'll remember this, uh, what he called Wayne, we went upstairs and I walk in the room and Warren says to me, I know what you're going to ask. Why am I not asking you to play tomorrow night Nantucket Sleigh Ride? Well, Cork, here's the answer. You guys take out the you guys have never played the song properly since I heard it. Wow. And, and I he's right. And that's why the state says, I love the song, but I'm not hearing it. You forgot the song, Corky. And I went, whoa. Wow. You know what, Warren? You're right. He said, I'll tell you what, Corn, you go, Corky, you go home and you learn the song. And tomorrow afternoon during sound check, if you can come back and remember the arrangement and play it, wow. you could play New Year's Eve. 
okay? And boy, I went back home. I found out how much I didn't know about that song. And wow, I came back with all the all the enthusiasm. In the afternoon of the sound check, I played it, and Warren says, all right, Cork, you're on. So that was New Year's Eve 2011 with Warren. Oh. And he's a beautiful cat. He actually played on some of the mountain recordings, Masters of War. But, uh, yeah, that was a real, that was really a, a very honor to go New Year's Eve with the government mule and Warren and play Nantucket Slayer. I think it's online. I think it's on somewhere out there. But... I don't even know why I told you the story, except I am playing the repertoire as a result of that conversation. You know, a lot of people come up, the guitar, hey man, why don't you come out and play this? We're playing Mountainside, come on and join us. And I said to myself, after that conversation with Warren, and I've told Warren this, uh, I'm not going to play the songs with anybody unless we get it right with the keyboards and everything, which I've been doing for the last two and a half, three years. And it's been wonderful. The res response has been terrific. And for one reason, it's the material. The material that we wrote back in 69, 70, 71, uh, it lasts. It has that lasting effect. And there is no, there's no bigger enough than people responding a half a century later going, wow, it sounds fresh and new, even though it's that old. It's great. No, it's wonderful to be able to do it. Well, hey, we have one that we ask everybody. You've been a, a lot of fun, Corky. I hope at 75 that we're out uh, rocking like you are. You just had your 75th birthday not too long ago, so uh, happy uh, Yeah, happy well, it's Actually, it's 74, but it's oh, all right. Oh, 74. Sorry. My math yeah, was wrong. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm feeling 24, so it doesn't there give you go. <laughs> I hope I'm off the couch at 74 uh, and not just sitting there. Um, so you're on tour either with Cork or with Mountain, whoever you're on tour with, solo projects. You go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar because uh, when I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. They're all the same price. So what is your gas station snack food of choice? Well, first thing I do at the gas station is pass gas. The, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't eat candy bars. I'm diabetic. Okay. So what? What I usually do is find the best cigar in the in the okay. shop. Okay. There you cigar. go. But I, 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 I've actually had to, you know, take it easy on those foods on the on on that on that I kind of gourmet shopping. Much for <laughs> um, Absolutely, it's it's really been a treat. You, all right, you guys take care and just stay healthy. All right, you Thanks, too. Thanks, Corky. Talk to you soon, man. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. And thanks again to Corky Lang for joining man, that us. that guy was awesome. Lawrence Gordon, Gorky, Corky Lang. There we I'm going to say that a lot. Every chance you get. Every chance I get. Uh, thanks to Corky for joining us to talk about this awesome song. You can go check him out on the road at uh, at a mountainous place near you. Take some <laughs> extra oxygen. You're going to need it because that drum fill is going to take your breath away. Uh, we'll good. be back again next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>